Welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. I'm Tim Malloy. I'm Matt Donnelly. And this is the podcast where every week we bring you another story that we think should be made into a movie. And this week we have a doozy. An incredible Milan to Minsk style journey. I don't know what that word means. It's the Seinfeld joke. Um, Rochelle Rochelle, an erotic adventure from Milan to Minsk. (laughs) (laughs) What I mean is (laughs) it's an American story that covers so much ground. And you had a beautiful way phrasing it when we talked about this in our production meeting because we have such high-level planning for this podcast um, that you called it sort of like the anti-Forrest Gump, although I think it's like a, it's a roving, many-headed beast of an American tale yes. that does not star a little Jewish mouse. It stars an empowered, amazing, <laughs> blacktivist, and revolutionary. Uh, it's Angela Davis. It's Angela Davis. Who I was actually stunned that there's never been a biopic about her that yeah. I can find. Exactly. There are many documentaries because she's a really important figure. Um, and she pops up in a lot of documentaries, including Ava DuVernay's 13th. Yeah. Um, she popped up in the Black Power mixtape. There's a very good section on her. Um, she's still she, with us, by the she's way. She's still with us, and she's still doing incredible things, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about at the end of this. Um, but I was shocked that there hasn't been a biopic because it seems like she has one of the most amazing stories, uh, one of the most amazing American lives. Yeah. And the New York Times actually well said. said in a story when her archive was released to Harvard University uh, that few people have had as interesting a life as Angela Davis. And Archive, by the way, is a collection of every piece of material culture from someone's life. Mm -hmm. Interviews, video clips. Her letters. um, Letters, writings, in Beyonce's case, costumes. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing, but it's true. It's Um, totally true. Jennifer Schessler, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, in this February 13, 2018 article, wrote about Angela Davis. Uh, the acquisition comes as scholars are telling a less male-dominated, top-down story about the black power movement and the left in general. It also sheds light on the rise of intersectional feminism, which takes into account women's overlapping identities and the campaign against mass incarceration. This is the part I love. To name two causes Professor Davis helped pioneer before there were quite names for them. Wow. So she's a complete innovator. And even now... a uh, seems to uphold uh, a standard of uh, something that's only now entering consciousness, which is the idea of intersectional identities, which is that you can't, you can be more than one minority or one part of one group at the same time, and that has massive impact on the quality of your life. Oh, you're going to love the end of this I'm podcast. so excited. I, intersectional this. feminism makes me want to book a fucking retreat in Switzerland and <laughs> hold up at a luxury hotel and talk about this for days. Well, it really does. It truly does. It makes me so happy. What if we start our story instead at a Howard Johnson's Motor Lodge in Manhattan? Do you mean start at the beginning? We're going to start kind of in the middle, kind of the Breaking Bad approach. Let's do it. Um, (laughs) It's it's October 14th, 1970. Angela Davis is arrested in a Manhattan Howard Johnson Motor Lodge. Um, Richard Nixon goes on the television and congratulates the FBI on its capture of the dangerous terrorist Angela Davis. My God. Meanwhile, we have someone else who speaks about Angela Davis. That is Aretha Franklin, who says that she wants to pay her bail. Quote, not because I believe in communism, but because she's a black woman and she wants freedom for black people. I have the money. I got it from black people. They've made me financially able to have it. And I want to use it in ways that will help our people. Amen. Now, why has she been arrested? What has she been arrested for? We'll find out soon. But first, we're going to flashback to 1955, yes. Birmingham, or as it was known then, Bombingham. Wow. The neighborhood is called Dynamite Hill because white people are bombing African-Americans out of the neighborhood or trying to, to keep the neighborhood segregated. Um, 
I think we start off with her parents making some mention of this, like just another day in Birmingham. Uh, and then little Angela Davis is debating whether to go out. Her parents are talking about whether it's safe. And then we see her wearing maybe the last thing we expect from this future huge Afro revolutionary. She's wearing her Girl Scouts of America uniform. Because as Martin Luther King said years ago, the Girl Scouts were a force for desegregation. Yeah. Which I don't think a lot of us realize, the activist power of the Girl Scouts. But Angela Davis would later say in an Ebony interview that the Girl Scouts were one of the ways that she became introduced to activism. Wow. And Better so they be a force for that than be a force for me not fitting into my Coachella outfits. Am I right? <laughs> that was a cookie joke during this. I don't know why I said that. This is such a serious conversation. There's, Can, there's thin mints in the fridge. They're in the freezer where they're, where they're supposed to live. Continue. Where they belong. Continue. Yeah. So we see her grow up. She's an incredible student. The Quakers, the wonderful Quakers. Yeah, who's never done a thing wrong. The Quakers are I'm right. from Philadelphia. They don't have the best reputation where I'm from. Really? They're a little bit extremist, yeah, and puritanical. Can we talk about this for a minute? Okay. When I first mentioned Angela Davis, um, you mentioned, like, who is Angela? I didn't know. Fine. You just, just outed me for not knowing who Angela Davis okay, is. Sorry, but, everyone. But I think it's very much a California thing. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people outside of California who know her well, but particularly if you're in California, I think she's part of the legend of California, wow. and particularly early 70s California. That's a cool thing to be. Because my parents came from the same place as your family, Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my parents came over in the 70s. And now I realize I think they were kind of drawn to like the cool and the revolutionary aura around California at that time. Yeah. Um, because the first way I heard of Angela Davis was from my mom, who, as my dad explained during the speech at our wedding, uh, was a communist when I was a kid. I don't know how serious that is, but she <laughs> definitely had some Angela Davis sympathies. And she always taught me Angela Davis was this great person. And then as I grew up and got older, people were like, oh, she's a violent revolutionary. Like, and so With a name like Angela Davis, she's a violent revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> like Pol Pot. So, <laughs> so I, was, I was raised to think of her one way and then sort of got the other side. Um, and... In my family, like you rebel by not being as liberal as your parents are. So wow. I would try to get the other side. Um, and now I've gotten both sides. And as we hear, I think you'll get my overall Gist. take yeah. on, on her life. Um, so the Quakers, the wonderful Quakers, uh-huh. arranged for her to go to school in New York. There she is recruited well, nice. by a communist youth group. Wow. Um, she continues to be a great student, uh, goes to college. Her has a male German professor. Can I interrupt you for one second? It's interesting to note that the Communist Party didn't outright recruit her. The Communist Party, let me find it, established a group called... They were a communist Uh, youth group. I'm sorry. um, Yes, but but this is even more interesting. Um, Called the Southern Negro Youth Congress, which is interesting to see... I, I mean, I won't, I won't tell you why. I don't know I can explain why, but that's sort of interesting to me that, that the Communist Party was as organized and, and, and effective in grassroots um, yeah. to uh, give it a benign and almost upbeat name. Not that, well, yeah. we've sort of been trained to think of them as like the bad guys, but to them, they're not the bad guys. Yeah. Also, I think we're trying to think of them as a kind of blanket society like that, like like China, but yeah. really they can be much more insidious. Yeah. Or have proven to be much more insidious. See the um, Coen Brothers movie. What's the one about Hollywood and communism? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Hell yeah, Caesar. Yeah. Hell Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, there's an incredible debate I recommend people look up on YouTube between Angela Davis and Pat Buchanan, where he tries to blame her. <laughs> what? The, 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 he tries the, to blame her for the everything. The extrapolation that people make with Angela, it's insane. He tries to put the blame on her for everything that happened with Stalin, with with all of these different communist groups. And she's like, actually, the American Communist Party has never repressed anyone because <laughs> they've never been in any position to even repress Yeah, anyone. the American Communist Party is effectively a country club. Also, I'm not a communist. Are you a communist? I'm not a communist. Uh, but I no. do think we should hear out others' views. I think my yoga place is called communist with like a Z. Uh. Um, Cal- uh, Los Angeles, everybody. <laughs> um, anyway. um, so she goes to college. She meets this German male professor. He's. Uh, this is one of the things I like about this story. You see that there are a lot of white males in the story who are doing terrible things. Yeah. But there are also some who are helpful to the movement. And it's sort of, as a white male, yeah. it's sort of a reminder that, like, you have some role in this. Yeah. Like, it isn't just to die. You can also help. You can also help other people rise up and make space for them and also provide support and help, which is what Herbert Marcuse does. Um he teaches her, as she puts it, uh, her words are, Herbert Marcuse taught me it was possible to be an academic, an activist, a scholar, and a revolutionary. Okay, she travels to Europe. When she's 18, she gets an important piece of news. The little girl who grew up next door has been killed in a bombing. She is one of the four little girls killed in the Birmingham, oh Alabama bombing in 1963. Grew up next door to her. Her That's sister insane. was good friends That's insane. with three of the girls, as she later explains. Um... So this is obviously a crucial moment for her. Uh, this is really hit home. This is something that we think of as like a moment in a civil rights museum, but these are her neighbors. That's just, wow. So she falls deeper in with communists. Um, she becomes more and more interested in the black power movement. She returns to the US where she's interviewed by the FBI about attending a communist event uh, when she's not even 20 years old. Uh, she gets her master's from UCSD. Uh, she gets a, I believe it's it's another degree. I'm not a smart person. What's another <laughs> thing you get besides master's degree? Master's degree. It's from a PhD. PhD. She gets, she gets her PhD. So yeah. she's Dr. Angela Davis now. Uh, she goes to Humboldt, but not the Humboldt we know from California. The Humboldt in Germany, ah, in Berlin. The Humboldt. The Humboldt. And she's so Californian that even when she goes overseas, she goes to Humboldt. I love it. I love it. She just took San Vicente to <laughs> the 10, to LAX, to Frankfurt. She went by communism, your yoga studio. She did. She did. But it, it was overbooked. Um, and she was on the wait list, so she had to jump on that plane. <laughs> oh, man. So she gets her first teaching job. <clears throat> Everything is going good. It's UCLA. Back comes back to UCLA, obviously, because Roots and Wings, and wings. Sure, sure. And she takes San Vicente, probably, I would imagine, to Olympic in that era. Or maybe Olympic to Beverly Glen and Beverly Glen up to Sunset and then to UCLA because it's right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She avoids Nichols Canyon. Yeah. She's not, she's not crazy. I mean, (laughs) she's not suicidal to take Sunset from West Hollywood all the way to UCLA. Who would do that? I mean, God. That takes, what, she in a Suburban on her, on her phone? (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. Dropping the kids off Mm -hmm. at soccer practice in Bel Air. I don't think so. She's Angela Davis. (laughs) Okay, so she's at UCLA, and then someone decides, hey, this lady's a communist. She shouldn't teach here. Yeah. He fires her. What's that man's name, Matt? Ronald Reagan. Oh, my God. Ronald Reagan fires her. Uh, so some the least favorite names you could have just whipped out there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Someone in our story gets to play Ronald Reagan firing Angela Davis. Oh, my God. Should we, who played him in The Butler? 
<laughs> was it Liam Schreiber? Some, oh, on, would he come on. back? Hold on, let me see. Oh, it was Liam. He talking. It was, was Liam. No, I think he played Johnson. Oh no! Wasn't Robin Williams? I don't know. Anyway, I like that movie. I'm like one of the few. I I have to defend it a lot. Never mind. We'll cut that out. Oh. Alan Rickman. Ooh, Alan that's Rickman terrible casting. Well, he's no Rest available. in peace. <laughs> he's uh, not tech avail. Well, maybe Liev will be. Maybe. Uh, how about the Alan Rickman hologram at <laughs> Harry Potterville, <laughs> Harry Potter Worlds at Universal Studios? Sorry, Rickman. I don't State. think that would take people out of this 1970s radical revolution at all. Uh, and when, like Angela Davis goes to swing at him, her hand goes through him. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, Ronald Reagan <laughs> says she should not be on the faculty at UCLA. Go. She goes to court, one of many court appearances, and they say, actually, in America, you're not allowed to fire someone for being a communist. Yeah. Like, oh, great. So they give her her job back at UCLA. And so then, then Ronald Reagan tweets, I'm not on my watch. No, um, <laughs> then he deletes it because there's a, there's yeah, a typo. There's a typo, and he then was he embarrassed. Does it again. Yes. Yeah. So she gets her job back at UCLA. Um, then she's fired again for speech or some nonsense, fake reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and things are about to get way, way, way worse for Angela Davis. Okay. Introducing a man named George Jackson. He is not the thing that's going to go bad for her, but meeting him is going to have some negative mm-hmm. consequences. George Jackson is a celebrity prisoner. He is a superstar. Uh, and 60s. can I just say, uh, for what it's worth, and if you listen to our podcast, you'll know that Tim is on me all the time about how shallow I am. He is gorgeous. He's a really he is guy. a he is a w- what our coworker who was on last week, Umberto, um, would call a dime or a pretty <laughs> MRFer. Uh, um, yeah, he, he is, uh, which probably doesn't hurt him as he rises up no, in no, the no. prison spokesman game. Also, if you're looking for prison, if you're looking for people to become symbols, it helps that they are totally stunning to look at. Funny how that works, isn't it? So he steals $70 from a gas station in the 60s, and for this he's given the sentence, which sounds fair, one year to life. Okay. Because that's just how things work That then. seems like a, an interesting parameter, yeah. Maybe a year, maybe, maybe life, life for the $70 you Let's stole. Let's see how we feel in a year. So when he's in prison, this is very cinematic um, and just incredible. He's involved in a fight with the Aryan Brotherhood, mm-hmm. who existed back then. Back then. And... Yeah, just... I think that there's... You can find them online now, but anyway. I mean, they're still um, around, which yeah. is ridiculous. Disgusting. And he punches a Nazi. Nice. Um, and this fight is broken up when the guards uh, open fire and some inmates are killed. Um, the guard who opens fire is found perfectly innocent and everything's fine. Uh, and he vows revenge, according to the police. Um, not saying Jackson did it, mm-hmm. but not too long afterwards, a guard dies. Jackson uh, is charged with this along with others. They become known as the Soledad Brothers. He publishes one of his books called Soledad Brother about uh. life inside the prison. He becomes a complete, even bigger cause celeb wow. than he was before. And then he writes the sequel, Soledad O'Brien. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, now he's become not just a celebrity within the prison, but worldwide. Yeah. You told me he's like he was like Mamiya Abu-Jamal to the nth degree, to, 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 um, exponentially bigger. Yeah, he isn't just like a guy whose picture is being held up at Rage Against the Machine concerts. He's a guy who <laughs> like people really know. Do you, think he, do you think he'd be disappointed to know that? Be like, this is the extent of my influence? Um. I, I, I'm a symbol at a tour sponsored by Vans. Mumia Abu-Jamal is an interesting person because 
it definitely peaked and hit a point where it felt like oh, oh you this should, guy's I'm from Philadelphia. You should have yeah. seen it there. I, I remember I remember a lot of and I came from a, I come from a cop family, so it was a big mm. p- point of contention because like uh, God bless my aunt Janet. She's uh, she's the liberal voice in my family, not yeah. liberal, but like the super educated voice. Yeah. So she'd always be the one like well. Here's ten statistics, and you guys are terrified and white flight. And uh, I remember those yeah. fights around the dinner table. But then I just went about reading my Disney adventures and my <laughs> GQ magazine because I was seven. And the cops so. were just like Mumia Jamal is a cop killer. Yeah, that's yeah. but that's very easy and prevalent attitude in, in Philadelphia yeah. because they love nothing more than um, conviction with no investigation and never being pressed on Irish wow. people when they, they will take a stand and if you press them that is a bigger offense than if you shit on their lawn <laughs> like if you ask them to back up any kind of fa- with facts any kind of opinion or, 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 or gut feeling they are horrified at the implication that they're not like st- strong in their principles which they're not when I worked at the Associated Press in Pittsburgh there was a rule there that before you were allowed to say that Mumia Abu Jamal was innocent you had to read the entire case file Oh. So I don't know what that means. But so you didn't read it? Uh, I haven't <laughs> read it. I don't know the details of that case. Yeah. Um, but it takes us back to George Jackson. Imagine yes. that times a thousand. Things are about to get very complicated. All right. In August 1970, uh, eight months after this incident with the guard, his little brother takes over a courtroom um, in Marin County up near San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He is killed. The defendant is oh. killed. Another inmate named William Christmas is killed. And His the name judge is Bill Christmas? William Christmas. Wow. Yes. William Christmas. Maybe his father was Nicholas. Ah. Probably oh. not because This is such a serious conversation. I don't know why well. I would make that joke. Um, and the judge <laughs> are all killed. Um, one of the guns is a sawed off shotgun, which at one point had been taped to the judge's neck. Uh, that is one of the guns found to have caused the death of the judge. Guess who bought that gun, Matt? Oh, uh, Angela Davis. Angela Davis. Oh, no. Yeah. So this is the problem when you obey a grocery list. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> Almond milks, a shotgun, parenthesis, saw off, please. And it PLS. would be almond milk because she's also a vegan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. She's on the run at this point. Everyone wow. is looking for her. She is regarded as one of these very dangerous black radicals you've been hearing so much about. Yeah, in she the get, news. She becomes the third woman on the FBI's most wanted list. She's considered extremely dangerous. Everyone's looking for her. Two months go by. She turns up where? The Howard Johnson Motor Lodge. Oh, my God. She's brought to trial. I, I also like your inherent script structure. I think it is, to adapt, it would be amazing to start at that conflict at the Motor Lodge. Oh, dial yeah. our way back, and let's come back to this moment mid-act two. Now we have no idea what's happening. I mean, yeah. when it's a flashback, we know, okay, this person is going to survive at least at this, this point. point. But now? We have no idea what's up with Andrew Davis unless we have Google. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, who has that? So at some point, <laughs> as far as I can tell, this occurs when they are both imprisoned. This is remarkable to me. In July 1971, she and um, Jackson meet in a holding cell accompanied by attorneys, uh, and they begin exchanging a series of letters. Uh, What becomes clear from these letters is that they are very much in love. Angela Davis has fallen in love with this celebrity prisoner, uh, George Jackson. Both of them revolutionaries. Both of them ardently opposed to racism, to the prison industrial complex, all of these things that they are desperately trying to tear down, but now they're in the maw of it. They're in the heart of the criminal justice system and things are about to get worse for Angela Davis, she draws an all-white jury. Uh, is that 
Could that pass voir dire in it, those days? It could in 1972. Wow, that's insane. And things are going to get worse because the prosecution uses the letters between her and Jackson to show that she was in love with Jackson, and that's why she bought the gun, and that's why she was part of this coup to get him rescued. Because, of course, the plan supposedly was to take over the courtroom uh, in Marin County and then basically trade prisoners to get to get him released. Um, this is the prosecution's whole case. Her case is, no, 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 I bought those guns to, or rather it comes out in trial testimony that she bought the guns uh, to defend the Soledad Brothers Defense Headquarters. Um, this is not that wild a thing then because, yeah. I mean, she's an associate of the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers are known for arming themselves in self-defense. Um, of course, white people at the time don't think it looks like self-defense. Right. They feel very threatened by it. Yeah. Uh, we have that playing out in this court case. Um, but she's making the case that these letters have nothing to do with anything, that they're a violation of her privacy, that they've basically laid her soul bare for no purpose except to twist her words and make her look like a terrorist. And this all-white jury acquits her. Oh, wow. Twist. They, they acquit her. Twist. She gets out because her case is that strong and the government's case is that weak. And then this is just an amazing image for me. This is the point where me as a liberal white person starts crying. Um, Angela Davis goes and hugs each of these white <gasps> jurors who set her free. I just got chills. Oh, my God. Incredible. I think that's where our story ends, even though it's not where her story ends. She goes on to be involved in every conceivable cause uh, on the side of people who are underrepresented, oppressed, pained. And she delivers this speech, uh, which we'll play at the end of this, uh, oh. last year, where in now a I'm going to start crying. Now I'm the liberal in white a person few that seconds, starts crying. She aligns herself with feminism, intersectional feminism, mm. anti-racism, immigrants, trans women, what? trans women of color, uh, the, the 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 people in the Sioux Rock Reservation who are fighting to stop the pipeline. Yeah, you said the pipeline. Just uh, any. Oh my God, I'm gonna start crying. An, an incredible number of causes. She's not a person who is attacked and retreats back to her corner. She comes out harder than ever, and recognizes that injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. She gives this amazing, beautiful speech, and to show you what a brilliant person she is. In the middle of this delivery, one of my favorite parts, she leans over to the person next to her and she goes, I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> like she sees the Oscar shot clock and she's like, I only have 30 seconds, so my manager, my agent, my husband. Um, and it's like, no one asked you to stop. You're Angela Davis. You can talk as long as you want, but she's so professional. Well, that, that just like, means she knows how to read a crowd then. I go, oh my God, she sounds incredible. And I want our movie to actually show that speech. Oh my in God. Its I mean, that's, that seems to me like the awards monologue. It's it's so good. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big person on speeches in movies. I mean, if you've seen yeah, Darkest didn't Hour. You? Yeah, I was just going to bring this up, your opinion on that. Yeah, I Gary, still haven't seen The Darkest Hour, and I don't think I need to. Sorry. You don't, actually. He Snooze. delivers the speech that he gets the Oscar for where he's like, we will never surrender. And if you watch the actual speech, Winston <laughs> Churchill's like, yeah. we will never surrender. It's kind of, and it's kind so of like much every movie or every show about the queen, and she's languid, and she's emotional, and then you go to her public addresses, and it's like, Today, Diana died. We all sad. Thank you. Carry on. And it's like the, the most robotic 
it's, monotone. It's the first rule of acting. It's like undersell it yeah, when you want to exactly. sell it. Well, especially when there's historical record, like when I can right. go to YouTube and look up the same speech. Angela Davis is a wonderful speaker. She honestly, I mean, I, I just feel um, uh, it's odd. I, I, I feel like she's the rare figure that through her um, extreme risk and through her bravery is a comfort source as opposed to like a motivating force like mm. i want my personal trainer to be um <laughs> ripped and to be mean but this then to smile communism. yeah to be th- but then to smile afterwards and i want my mom to have a pot of soup on the stove and then like just tell me everything's gonna be okay but with someone like angela davis i feel like she's such a round figure of like action when action's called for justice justice i am the same as everybody else like i think she's a rare galvanizing force that's benevolent at the same time as she is strong does that make sense well, I wonder, looking at her amazing life and the things she said and did, why she isn't more popular and better known. And I think the answer is the government really did successfully malign her name. Yeah. Um, and really were able to paint her as this revolutionary, right. violent revolutionary, even though there's no evidence, according to an all-white jury, that that was true. Um, and I think she would definitely be a bigger name and could have become a bigger name if she wasn't sort of stopped. Yeah, at I was going to say malign might not be the right word. Maybe suppression is the word I because she's an icon and no one really. I mean, there may be, but, but there may be sexism here mm-hmm. and that you, there are, there are men who are better known than she is. That may be who didn't do as much. Yeah. Um, that may be a factor in it. It may be that her name has been tainted with this revolutionary brush, but something fascinating she said in one of her prison interviews, someone asked, you know, is this a violent movement? Like when you mention revolution, it always means violence. And she says, I think it's amazing that you bring into this violence because I grew up next door to one of these four little girls who was killed. I had bombings in my neighborhood all the time. My neighborhood was called Dynamite Hill. Yeah, I've always been a victim of violence. Why do people treat me like a purveyor of violence? Yeah, that's it, true. It, it's, it's, one it's, it's being a victim of your yeah of systemic oppression and ugh. So, who guilt do, by association. Uh, surely, yeah, and an attempt to take the worst yeah. elements of any movement and present that as the entire movement, right? Because it's exactly. politically convenient. Totally. Um, so I really want to see this movie. I want to see it too. I think that it, she should be played by a wonderful actress named Susan Kalichi Watson. Okay. Um, who is uh. Hold on, I gotta look up her credits. Don't put this in there. And meanwhile, I'll give my counter actress. Okay. Zazie Beats. Oh, Zazie. From Atlanta. Um, um, Zazie is, I think it's actually Zossie. Like Zossie. Zossie. I, lo- um, I actually looked this up, and there's a YouTube video that says how to pronounce names, and yeah. they said Zazie. Zazie. But I shouldn't Zazie use. Zazie Beats. I shouldn't use the YouTube um, robot. I, no, I, you can look up our, our B roll from Sunday. She said Zossie like Stassi. Zossie, okay. Um, to cool. me. Uh, anyway, Susan Kalichi Watson is. Zossie Beats. Zossie Beats, um, who is fantastic. Susan Kalichi Watson is my pick, and she is the. Uh, she's Sterling K. Brown's wife on This Is Us. She oh, is a wonderful actress. But I really fell in love with her because she was cast 
to play an imagining of an adult blue Ivy Carter in <laughs> Ava DuVernay's music video for Jay-Z's song, Family Feud. Wow. And she is so powerful, um, but she does have a little bit of a bene- benevolent um, and, and, and gracious side, too, that seems like... Uh, it seems like, um, what's that, who, whose famous quote is that, that I don't want to be at your evolution unless there's dancing? <laughs> That's what she sort of represents to me, so I think that should be perfect for Angela. But she can, I think she can go there and, and, and be, you know, steel-edged and, wow. and, uh, and strong when she has to, and then um, be a, a creature of the other, other times. Not like a shape of water monster, <coughs> but like, you know, identify with trans women and, and immigrants and dreamers and all that. Oh, you're saying the shape of water monster because he <coughs> said that I said creature of the other, and then I made me think well, of shape of water. Because the director said that thing about how that creature represents the other. Yeah, and the movie is a love letter to the other. Um, no, I just did Game of Thrones Italian. Um, but the thing that made fantastic. Me cra- the thing that made me crazy about that, yeah. is like that's what every movie is about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Like if you're watching a movie where you're not supposed to root for the other, you're watching like. A 1988. You're watching Sylvester propaganda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although even he's like for the other. It, I mean, he presents he presents like John Rambo as the other. Um, that's adorable. Directors. Um, okay. Ava DuVernay came to mind immediately because well, cause she's already done because she's actually worked with Andrew yeah. Davis on Thirteenth, mm-hmm. and I imagine there's a reason this movie hasn't been made already. Um, and I suspect Angela Davis isn't into it. Um, that would be my guess. Yeah, that would be my guess too. But obviously, I think um, an African American female should probably direct, not probably more, more overwhelmingly direct it. But I will say, didn't Zemeckis directed Forrest Gump? Yes. I loved your framing of this as an American life story, like Forrest Gump. It wouldn't be as whimsical or happenstance. Obviously, well, she just Angela hasn't wandered into these parts of her life. But let me just give you some context. Yeah. For instance, her brother is one of the first African American football players for the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. So Incredible. then there's you have a football shot in there. Yeah. Then you've got a, a, a Manhattan Howard Johnsons. Then you've got like yeah. the, I think that you can tell the story of the country and the changing face of the country through. And the two movie. different presidents calling her out by name. Exactly. And then you got UCLA before there was traffic. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it, and the Germany segments? Oh, yeah. Game change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I feel like this is, it, it and, should and be, it should be. the civil rights feel. movement and the Girl Scouts. And the fucking Girl Scouts. There's going to be a Girl Scout meeting. So this is, I think that there's such a, like, if I had to storyboard this, can you imagine the cornucopia this would look yeah. like? And I feel like someone should visually represent that. And it should feel like an odyssey. It should Yo, feel yeah, like yeah, a yeah. journey. Yeah. And we're only getting about 15 years of her life. We don't yeah. even get into Which the 80s insane. and 90s. And I don't own a home yet. And her return I've to academia. Oh, by years. the way, yeah. uh, after she loses that job at UCLA, she get, and Ronald Reagan says she should never teach at another California school, she gets multiple other jobs at California <laughs> schools. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, Forrest Gump has been ripped as this piece of conservative. Oh, you mean propaganda. Ronald Reagan was wrong about something? <laughs> Is that what you mean? How dare you? I just said Reagan like someone from Philadelphia. Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Um, on the home, on the phone, with the boot. So he got married to Nancy Reagan. Yeah, exactly. I'll see in the Wawa Park a lot. We're doing Philadelphia accents. We are, sorry. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so Forrest Gump has been presented as this piece of like conservative propaganda because Forrest is like this is dumb white guy yeah. who's like you know really nice to everybody, but yeah. just kind of mumbles through life. And he like meets revolutionaries, and he's not very impressed. The it's white his radical. muddy face is the smiley logo <laughs> bullshit. Well, he goes to Vietnam and he's asked to go, 
Um, he comes back and he meets like a white revolutionary who turns out to be a total hypocrite who hits yeah. his girlfriend. Jenny is punished for her profligate lifestyle by getting AIDS. Yes, exactly. Like, it's just mm-hmm. it's it, it can be read as Sally Fields his mom and only three years later in a different movie was his love interest. <laughs> <laughs> It can be read as a very conservative document, and this is the anti-Forrest Gump because this is the liberal version of that, mm-hmm. or the leftist version of that. Um, or just, I don't know. She's another woman, who, she's another character who is everywhere, but she's the inverse of Forrest Gump. She's an intelligent African-American. Exactly, she, yeah, she's the, she's the photo um, negative, yeah. which is the, co- the direct contrast. Or the photo positive. Or the photo positive. I didn't mean negative. Listen to fucking Tim Malloy <laughs> frame everything I say like it's the most malignant. I, reject, I want someone to do an adaptation of this podcast where I'm the hero because the that, poison pen of Tim Malloy makes me the villain every time. That already been made. It's called this podcast. <laughs> um, I want to give Oh, George Jackson. Yeah. Oh, who plays George Jackson? We okay. decided on Jesse Smollett, the d- handsome devil of uh, of Empire, who is um, tender but masculine, and also just the, one of the prettiest people you'll ever see. George Jackson. I'm reading this book. The way I got down this, the way I got down this path is reading about the '70s and obsessing over the '70s. Is my mm-hmm. friend Golgan recommended American Heiress, a book about Patty Hearst. Oh wow! And Have you seen the John Didion documentary yet? By the way, no, I need you to. Need, and it's okay. direct, directed by her nephew Griffin Dunn. Yeah, I gotta see it. It's called The Center Will Not Hold. It's fantastic. The the Patty Patty Hearst is taken by this terrorist group, the SLA, sure, 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 and it's led by a guy named Sink, and Jeffrey Tubin. Um, oh, love Jeffrey Tubin. He's great. The author of this book. Talks about how Sink is in every way like a poor man's George Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes on to this part about George Jackson. And right. one of the details he gives is that he did a thousand fingertip push-ups a day. <laughs> so <laughs> Jossie's going to be working out a lot. Yeah. Um, Sink also sounds like a um, fictitious rapper they sign on Empire. <laughs> so like Sink's album drops next week, you guys. <laughs> um I think we've got it. I think we else? nailed it. And I think that anyone who wants this package should give us 10%. Just kidding. That's not ethical. Um, we'll give the money to the Black Panthers. We'll give the money to the Black Panthers. Um, let's go out with this speech last year from Angela Davis. Yes. So at this very challenging moment in our history, let us remind ourselves that we the hundreds of thousands, the millions of women, trans people, men and youth who are here at the Women's March, we represent the powerful forces of change that are determined to prevent the dying cultures of racism, heteropatriarchy from rising again. We recognize that we are collective agents of history and that history cannot be deleted like web pages. We know that we gather this afternoon on indigenous land and we follow the lead of the first peoples who, despite massive genocidal violence, have never relinquished the struggle for land, water, culture, their people. We especially salute today 
the Standing Rock Sioux. The freedom struggles of black people that have shaped the very nature of this country's history cannot be deleted with the sweep of a hand. We cannot be made to forget that black lives do matter. This is a country anchored in slavery and settler colonialism, which means, for better or worse, the very history of the United States is a history of immigration and enslavement. Spreading xenophobia, hurling accusations of murder and rape, and building walls will not erase history. No human being is illegal. The struggle to save the planet, to stop climate change, to guarantee the accessibility of water from the lands of the Standing Rock Sioux to Flint, Michigan, to the West Bank and Gaza, the struggle to save our flora and fauna, to save the air. This is ground zero of the struggle for social justice. This is a women's march, and this women's march represents the promise of feminism as against the pernicious powers of state violence. An inclusive, an inclusive and intersectional feminism. Yes. Yes. An inclusive and intersectional feminism that calls upon all of us to join the resistance to racism, to Islamophobia, to anti-Semitism, to misogyny, to capitalist exploitation. Yes, we salute the fight for 15. We dedicate ourselves to collective resistance, resistance to the billionaire mortgage profiteers and gentrifiers, resistance to the healthcare privateers, resistance to the attacks on Muslims, on immigrants, resistance to the attacks on disabled people, resistance to state violence perpetrated by the police and through the prison industrial complex, resistance to institutional and intimate gender violence, especially against trans women of color. Women's rights are human rights all over the planet, and that is why we say freedom and justice for Palestine. We, we celebrate the impending release of Chelsea Manning and Oscar Lopez Rivera, but we also say free Leonard Peltier. 
free Mumia Abu-Jamal, free Asata Shakur. Over the next months and years, we will be called upon to intensify our demands for social justice, to become more militant in our defense of vulnerable populations. Those who still defend the supremacy of white male heteropatriarchy had better watch out. The next 1,459 days of the Trump administration will be 1,459 days of resistance. Resistance on the ground, resistance in the classrooms, resistance on the job, resistance in our art and in our music. This is just the beginning. And in the words of the inimitable Ella Baker, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Yeah.